These are the opening words to Stephen King's legendary novel, Misery. The story of Misery plays on fears every single living creature can identify with, being vulnerable. A story so rich with palpable terror that has carried on through book, film, and even theater. On this episode, we're going to break down Rob Reiner's 1990 take on King's legendary story. The majority of the film is just focused around our two main characters. James Cann plays the role of Paul Sheldon, the writer who becomes injured in a car accident and unbeknownst to him becomes under the care of his number one fan, Annie Wilkes, portrayed by the amazing Kathy Bates. The tension created by these two on screen is magnetic. So magnetic that Kathy won an Oscar for Best Actress, which makes that the only Stephen King adaptation to win an Academy Award. Not enough can be said about this movie, so we're going to do our best to give it some justice. I'm really excited to have you guys here with us for this one, so wherever you're at in this world, go ahead and kick your feet up and we promise we won't break them. Here is our take on Misery. Welcome to the Sloppy Horror Podcast. I am your host and your scary movie companion, Christian Ramey, and back again for another week. Clapping them cheeks, the best producer in the world. You know him as Ozark Mark. Ozark Mark, what's going on, buddy? Hey there, hi there, ho, ho, ho there. I'm in there like swimwear, Uh and I'm here with you once again here. I know that uh, you're very excited, very excited, because this should be a very exciting episode, Christian Ramey, because we... Are going in deep with another classic here. Loves by, company by Stefan King himself. Yep, that's right. Misery. It's the movie of the of the day, folks. Not only I, I don't know where you live. You might be in a tropical paradise right now. And if you are, fuck you, because I'm jealous. But if you are not, if you are an individual who is dealing with the cold winter like we are. Misery is a perfect movie, and folks, there's movies for different times of the year. You're not watching Jaws in January, and you're not watching Misery in July. So that's why we have to cover this. Like Mark said, this is Stephen King. We've got Rob Reiner. we got James Caan, Kathy Bates. I mean, this is, this is a, that's really a lot of legendary names that I just named. And like, if you were to name each of their names individually, you wouldn't necessarily go to Misery first. And that's what makes it incredible. Like, maybe Kathy Bates, you would think Misery right away, but no, she's been in everything, It's dude. not. Uh, Kathy Bates, uh, of course, legend herself, but uh, there's always... Whenever you have a legendary actor like that, there's always one movie that will stick in your brain forever. Mm-hmm. Shit, she did great in Titanic, Unfor- bro. <laughs> you know <laughs> like, what I'm saying? Like, even that. But unfortunately, I always think of the devil from The Water Boy. For some reason. Bobby Boucher. <laughs> yeah. You, I didn't even put it's, that together. It's exactly. It's the dumbest movie ever, but that's what sticks for me, for Kathy Bates. So I'm just, you know, Point waiting. Point in case, man. That's crazy. When I was watching this, I was just waiting for her to say, <laughs> the devil. <laughs> but she didn't. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, and that is crazy, man. You are exactly right. And that's even like point. The, the proof is in the pudding. If you say James Can, most people would say either Buddy the Elf's dad or they would say... Godfather. And that's the right answer. Godfather is the right answer. Yeah. If you say the elf, I'm I, assuming you're under the age of 30. If you're saying above, I'm assuming Godfather. <laughs> I, have a, I have a different answer for that. I always liked his, him in uh, Enemy at the Gates. Oh, shit, bro. That's a very underrated movie. It is an underrated it's movie. It's a great dude. movie. He plays an awesome Nazi sniper. Badass. Uh-huh. 
cool as a cucumber in that. I love his acting. And I think he plays this well, too. Um, you know, you know I can't tell you how relatable his attitude is when he realizes that he's just stuck there. Bro, I, I Dude, can't wait to get into this because you, as a husband, as somebody like you, like there's an underlying, like you get it. <laughs> like, all right, all right. I, I guess we need to give these fuckers a synopsis, Mark. They need to know what this movie is, I well, guess. Well, it's pretty much 42 some odd episodes in now. It's a tradition. You got to start with the synopsis. That's right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> obviously this is a book that was added. Uh, it's an adaptation of a book from uh, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner directed it. Stephen King wrote the story. The story is pretty straight-laced. The, first off, you know, any Stephen King book, he always has to include an author into his stories. That's the way. That's just the stamp of his trade, which makes sense. Never gets old to me. No, it, it really doesn't. So there's a writer. His name is Paul Sheldon. Paul Sheldon is a legend uh, romance writer, and he is writing a new book. And every time he writes a book, he goes to this little secluded cabin and... He drinks like a Don Perignon, a big bottle, and then he'll smoke a Lucky Strike cigarette. You know, it's like his little tradition for when he finishes a book. Well, the opening of the movie, you see Paul finishing his book, and then he's hitting the road because he's done now. He's finished his book. Well, as he starts to drive, he drives through a fucking blizzard, a crazy blizzard, which you would never drive in in the first place. No, even in a Mustang. Like a 65 Mustang, bro. Through a snow blizzard Whatever the hell you are. When he's going down this windy road, there is no road. It's just snow, bro. Like, I would have been... Like, so that'll bother you a little bit. Like, the dad then you, like, the yeah. man. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, he's flying. Like, he's doing, like, 40. Like, like there's no road. Like, what do you do? You're bound to die. Well, he didn't fucking die. He flipped his car, though. And as he flipped his car, we get some scenery of somebody saving him. But you don't really see who's saving him. Well, then the next scene, Paul opens his eyes. He's in a bed. He's all bandaged up. And then we have Kathy Bates. That's the first person we see. And she says, I'm your number one fan. And he says, what? What? He's coming, too? He doesn't realize what's going on. Well, he realizes that he was in an accident, and this lady, who is supposedly an, a nurse or an ex-nurse, she says, yeah, there's a really bad, you had a really bad crash, Paul. You're here at my house. There's a blizzard going on. Phone lines are down. Everything's down. You're pretty busted up, but I'm going to take care of you until, you know, we can get somebody to help you. And that, Paul believed that story. Until days and days and days kept going by and no one showed up. There was no telephone and he starts to see that this lady's a little bit fucking nutty. Well, she is nutty. This lady has kidnapped Paul and will not let him leave because it's, she's a super fan girl and she's simping hard over Paul. She won't let him go. And Paul has to uh, eventually battle this woman to get out of her custody, so to speak. And he is busted up like two broken legs. He is not in good shape. He is vulnerable. So that's what makes this movie so frightening. I think any language you speak, any gender you are, any age, this could be frightening. You're in a vulnerable situation. You can't move, dude. And like... I don't know. For for example, if some big like ominous figure came at you, like I'm gonna fucking kill you with an axe, you're gonna fight for your life or you're gonna die, whatever. This is like a like not sweet, but she's like a a woman that's like trying to be nice, and you're like, man, this is strange. Like you're not trying to come like kill this lady to slowly realize that hey, she means harm to me, 
is fucking terrifying. And I don't care who you are. I think this fear is widespread for anyone. There's a lot of great suspense in this. <clears throat> and Rob Reiner, uh, he, he was known for being a giant fan of Alfred Hitchcock. He was even quoted saying like he, he was pissed off on, like, on the set and he messed something up. And he says, what do you think you are, Alfred Hitchcock? Talking to himself. Like, big fan, but... As we teach you here at the Sloppy Horror Podcast, there are many different styles of shooting, of directing. There's some people who are right in front of the gore, right in your face. And then you have people who are more stylized. You have people like Hitchcock who made that more apparent, more suspense. They want more suspense, the building. They want the building, you know, versus the shock. So the, you know, immediate right there. So they do a lot of foreboding, a lot of strings, or like a lot of music, and they build it up. Alfred Hitchcock's great at that. Brian De Palma's great at that. Dario Argento's great at that. A lot of style, less substance, but a lot of buildup. A lot of buildup. This is one of the... Because I usually prefer the latter. I prefer... or I mean, I'm sorry, the previous. I prefer when people... I like brutality. I like violence. And I'm totally okay with looking directly at it the whole time. And I like that. It doesn't have to be overkill, but I kind of like brutal films. But it's not to say that I don't like others. And I think Misery is such a great example of suspense building. Like, it, you could put this in captions and subtitles. If this was in another language, you could get what's going on. You'd be oh, like, yeah. yo. The, 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 the suspense is great. And when you add suspense like this to a just an interesting story, which Stephen King always does. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting story. Yeah. It's not a very normal story that you're used to seeing like in your typical horror movies. It's a great, you know, it's a great story and you add that suspense in it and it keeps you sucked in. You're like, what's going to happen next? Oh, that plan didn't work. Fuck, and here we go. She's getting more and more nutty. Now he's getting a little bit stronger, like it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, there's about to be a cripple fight and it's going to be intense. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But And it's even scarier too because like not trying to be funny, but like if like for the most part, if a man says he wants to kill you, you're expecting somebody to kick in your door, you're expecting somebody to shoot your place up. It's going to be a loud experience. I'm coming to fucking kill you. If a woman says she's going to kill you, I'm a little frightened. Not physically. I'm sure I can square up toe to toe. Not that there aren't girls out there that can whip some ass. I'm just saying, I feel confident in my strength. It's that whole crazy shit behind their eyeballs I'm nervous about. Like, bro, you got a nutty-ass woman on your bad side? You fucked up, buddy. You (laughs) fucked up. You better fix it. Like, there's parts of this movie where I'm contemplating, like, man, maybe you should just fuck her. Fuck her for the one time and just, like, smooth your way out the door. Like, hey, you know I'm going to be back because you're my favorite, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he might have been able to work his way out alive and her alive. You know, I was contemplating it like, you know, there's parts in that movie where it's like, hey, you might just have to take one for the team, bud. You might just have to blow her back out for one time. And then, you know, she might just like, you know, because like afterwards, she's not mad anymore. She's like defeated. And you might have those moments to run, run. Well, he can't run, but, you know, something. Steal a car. Yeah, something. He's got to get out the door first. You got to remember. Yeah, he can't use his legs. He can't use his legs. But Uh I love the I love uh, the real realistic aspect uh in this movie that i've noticed Mm -hmm. um because even when they do things that seem like impossible like what that would never work for instance one of my favorite parts to this is a mix of unrealistic to realistic at the same time it's like a little sandwich you put it together it's fucking fantastic right it's when he finds the bobby pin on the floor 
No, I know what you're thinking. He's going to pick a lock with a bobby pin. How many people do you know that actually were successful of picking a lock with a bobby pin? I, I know think you could with that. I, I have. I know you've tried it, but I how know hard I have. is it? I have. I have. How, how hard is it? They though? did make it seem extremely simple in the movie. Yeah. But he's like, you know, he, he unlocks it and he's like, well, first he drops it first. You know that was going to happen. And he's like, that was the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, that, how many times have you gone through that? So that's very re- realistic and relatable. But it's after he gets unlocked, he's like, I didn't think that actually fucking worked. But, you know, <laughs> and then he goes. So it's stuff like that, you know. But he does things. It's kind of like back to like Blair Witch Project type of things, where like he's doing everything that he can think of to try and get out of there. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? He's trying his best so to always, stay alive. I always appreciate that, and it always sucks you in more, you know, because when something's unrealistic and and over the top and dumb, like that would never fucking happen. Like this is a this is a very believable story. This could definitely happen to somebody. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? So I, I bet you this has happened to people before. I'm sure it has. Dude, that's fucking freaky. And you know what? The uh, Most people aren't going to talk about this, Mark. Most people are not going to talk about this, but I'm going to tell it to you because Misery, Stephen King's movie, Rob Reiner, the whole metaphor for the movie of Misery is drugs. Stephen King had a large drug problem. I mean, obviously, that's well documented, which obviously he came out alive. So, that you know, yeah, that helps us out. And I'm happy that he's okay. It's a lot of times joked about now, which because he's okay, which I'm happy for. But to think a writer, like, you know, in the mix of your career, to be able to, to make such a metaphor into a book. And he said, you know, drugs were my Annie Wilkes. They were my number one fan and they would never leave me alone. And it was like, damn, bro, like... Now, it's definitely a fan film theory. If you've never seen Misery before, don't, like, watch it with a metaphor mindset. Just watch it normally. But if you've seen Misery dozens and dozens of times, like I have, um, rethink of the certain scenes and, you know, parts in the movie where you're like, God damn, bro, like, you ain't kidding. Like, that is a direct metaphor for drugs, and he just cannot, you know, cannot break. And I thought that was kind of cool, man. Usually I'm not the one for film theory you know most of them are bullshit because the director or writer will be like yeah i didn't mean that i didn't but they'll put wild twists on it like actually he was speaking from martin luther k he was speaking from martin luther king's bisexuality in this film and i don't think he was i don't think he was at all i think he just made this for this like but people really reach for that but it's very cool when you can see a writer come out and say, yes, this was the metaphor. That was while I was making it. Because a lot of times musicians and people are real pretentious. Like, hey, man, why'd you write those lyrics? I don't know, man. I just felt them. Yeah, but it was talking about being in a dark place and saying, and, and here you say you're snorting lines off a mirror. What does this mean? It was a metaphor for the birds that migrate here from Europe every year. You're like, come on, bro. You're fucking lying. It's about drugs. So sometimes they try to sound artsy and, you know, artsy or whatever. I just think that's cool that Stephen King just came out and point blank and said, yep, misery was my battle with drugs, you know, and that's my metaphor. And you're like, cool, dude. Like, that's fucking sweet to like, I don't know, to be that point. That like actually is art. He told you what he was making and he fucking did it. And I think James can, A, He's the fucking, uh, he's an awesome actor. Loved him, you know, in The Godfather, everything he does. But most people don't understand, he had to be in bed for 15 weeks to make this movie. 
15 weeks, dude. dude like, you probably get best. I hope that he stayed active between scenes or something. Like, you bro, know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a long four time. Four months, damn near. Like, dude, just you chilling. Sleep, <laughs> dude, sleep, 10 at, sleep 10 to 12 hours past 30. Tell me your body doesn't wake up like, oh, you know uh, what I mean? But James James Cannon in this movie, he killed it. He cracked me up, too, because like we said at the beginning, I want to talk about this right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was cracking me up up i related to this man so much because it's like just put it to where somebody is annoying talking to you you gotta be sure with them like one of the best lines was when she finally gets him out of the bed for the first time puts him in the wheelchair she's like come over here i got something to show you he's like great i've always wanted to see the other side of the room (laughs) (laughs) he's got such sarcasm his sarcasm is great i like when she's like what's your theory of uh i don't know she's looking out the window or something Uh I forget what she says. Ozone layer. She yeah, says ozone layer, and she, I forget what he, he's like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she said, uh, "The days are getting the, the days aren't is getting as cold." Some people say it's, it has something to do with the ozone layer. What do you think about that? And he's like, "I don't know." She's like, "Yeah, it's just a theory," <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> uh, I tell you what cracked me up too, because obviously we discussed Paul eventually gets out of this room and does a little exploring to find his you know his whereabouts. He doesn't have enough strength to you know get out of the house and fucking try to run. I mean, they're pretty much in the middle of nowhere. But he gets out. And she finds out that he gets out because he knocks this little uh, ceramic penguin off the table and puts it back. And she notices it because she's psycho and neurotic like they all are. And um, she noticed that. And then she woke him up in the middle, like, she woke him up in the middle of the night and drugged him. And, like, when he woke up, he's kind of doped up and, like, drugged. It was one of the funniest parts because it was, like, anytime a woman confronts a man and he doesn't have the answers yet and he's kind of fucked up, she's like, I know you were out of your room, Paul. He went, what? What? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. <laughs> like he's like he didn't want to lie too full. He's just like kind of like, huh? What? I don't know. You didn't. And he's got this big shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> Every dude's been in that. Like, hey, did you take the trash out? Like he's like looking for the right answer. But he knows. He's not even trying to sell it. Every dude's been there where you're yeah. just holding back the smile, trying to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, I fucked up. Yeah, I like, when, <laughs> I like when she calls him out on his lies. It's so funny. Like uh, when she brings in the grill to him and she's going to burn the book he just wrote. His new book. And she's a, a wrote just real quick. She's really obsessed with his line of books called Misery. There was a main character named Misery, very romance like. And this new book is not a misery book, which she does not like. I thought it was. I thought Misery dies at the end and she didn't like that. Well, that book had just come out in, in, in the stores and she oh. just finished reading it. So that's why she was so pissed. Okay, I got it. All right. But mm-hmm. anyway, he takes her his new script and puts it on a grill, starts lightning on his dousing it, and he goes Go ahead. He's like, my publisher always has hundreds of copies. It's about to go. That's a lie we would have came up with. Yeah, I know. It's like, go ahead. He's like, burn it. She's like, okay, Paul. Like, I know you only keep one copy for superstition. I know you smoke a cigarette. And I know you get that, all this stuff. I know you keep one copy. It's your thing. <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's like, like, 
I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) He's slowing through it, dude. He's trying his hardest. The whole thing, he's like, and that's the whole thing. If you get pinned up, fellas, you get pinned up with a crazy woman and she starts interrogating you. Answer as least as possible. You wait for her to give you the answers. You wait for her to give you more information. And if you need to see perfect examples, watch James Cannon, Misery. He'll perfectly tell you how to like know when to lie and how to get out of it. Okay, he executes it perfectly sometimes. When he escaped the room, he escapes this room with the bobby pin. This motherfucker like gets out of his wheelchair. He's army crawling all over the place. Then he hears her car pulling up. One of the most suspenseful scenes, you know. So he's trying to rush back to the room and then lock the door again and get in there. And uh, when she gets inside. She finds him in his room, and he's all fucking sweaty. Clearly, she was doing something, and he was going for the escape, you know? And she was like, Paul, your color is hectic. What have you been doing? What is going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know damn well what I've been doing. I've been suffering without my medicine. And he fucking crushed it, and she bought it. She bought it. He tricked her. He killed it that day. (laughs) What do you think I've been doing? Like, yeah, man, I, I love that. Re- like, he just crushed it. It was an immediate lie, man. Yeah. It was just that quick, and he killed it. He really did. Now, you know what? I mean, this is there's obviously a lot of facts that we like to lay down in the what do you know, but I don't want this to be a what do you know fact because this isn't necessarily um, – I would say it's more basic uh, of a fact, but obviously this was a Stephen King novel, and there is a scene – Obviously, the, if you're unfamiliar with the movie, Paul escapes, and then after she finds him, she breaks his fucking ankles over a two-by-four. She puts a big giant wood log between his ankles and hits his feet with sledgehammers, and they wrap around this thing. I know, it, I did. It's That's one of those things. It's that and the Achilles. Ugh. Every time that gets cut, it's bad, but when you see somebody put that... And it's like above the angle. It's above the angle. Yeah, and you just see it happen. Oh, I know it's fake, but that will make anybody in the world cringe. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've seen. You see that sledgehammer go towards that ankle between two pieces of wood. Oh. Ow. Well, uh, in the book, it wasn't a sledgehammer. So inside the book of misery... um, Stephen King had that as an act scene. He was going to cut her, uh, you know, have it cut his foot off. That's what Annie does in the book. And they were going to stick with that. And everybody says, no, I think that's a little too graphic. But I think what they picked was more graphic. For some reason, I feel like a quick cut off with an axe, it seems cleaner to me. Like it's a clean cut. You're without a foot, obviously. But it's like if you stop the bleeding, that's like a clean thing. Uh, But to bend... To, to break your legs at the ankle and have them bend over wood board, like, bro, that's worse than the axe, in my uh, opinion. Yeah. That's worse. So it they is. try. Oh, it is. It sucks, too, because he just was almost got his feet healed. He was back. almost rare. And then she just comes in and just. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so horrible. And what's really funny, so two legendary actors here. You know, you got Kathy Bates, who comes from theater, and then you got James Cann, who came up in all the tough guy movies, you know, with Scorsese and, you know, like kind of like the, the well, not Scorsese, but more like the Godfather and more of like the gangster style pictures. Um, they work very well together on screen, for sure. They do. And what happened was, Mark, was... Uh, uh, Kathy Bates was a very much a person who was into reciting lines. She loves to practice. She wants a lot of practicing beforehand. Whereas James Cann is like, nope, 
I don't practice. I just, we just go in and we fucking do it. I know my shit. I'm going to come in and I'm going to deliver. I don't want any readings beforehand. Well, that really bothered Kathy because Kathy had issues with, uh, you know, this is a violent character. And like she said that, that Paul, or I'm sorry, not Paul, <clears throat> James said that Kathy was crying before that scene, like before the breaking, because she just, and before the giant fight scene at the end. Getting into character, but in the same light, like she literally like, dude, fuck, like this is intense. And she was to tears and she like went to Rob Reiner, the director, like James won't read his lines with me. And he's like, oh, well, maybe just leave James alone. (laughs) And James like, I don't see what the fuck problem is. (laughs) Good shit together, woman. And then he told her, he says, you know what? If he's pissing you off, use it in the scene. And I think that transpired. I mean, you can see the elevation because she is his number one fan. But as they say, don't meet your heroes. As you start, she starts to see his flaws and she starts to get irritable with him, you know, like and starts to get mad at him. And you're like, dude, this is not this is leading to something horrible. What's going to go down? And like not trying to be funny, but like Kathy Bates isn't five to 110 pounds. With broken legs, Kathy Bates is pretty fucking intimidating. You're like, dude, what am I? Where to get the fuck up out of here, man? Yeah. She's gonna get me. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun, man. That's kind of an interesting little fact, though. The fact that they didn't use a uh, an axe in the movie, but I think what they picked was more gorier than an axe. I feel like the axe would have been easier for my eyes to see because I've never seen anything like that with the sledgehammers. That's a new one. That's a new one for me. I've never seen that in a movie. Yeah. Like. It's one of the most infamous scenes in it, so that's how memorable it was. Because oh, yeah. it. So it was a great call, great call. I remember I watched this with my Aunt Brenda, who I'm really not close with at all now, but for the first time, I was like maybe 10 years old, but she was like, this is coming up, and this is going to be crazy. Well, I'm like, it just, what's going on? Well, it just comes out of nowhere, too. She just comes in. It's not a violent movie for the most no. part. Like, so that part is uber violent. Like That's yeah. a hostile level of violence in like a, a very rich character movie <laughs> i know dude my god that scene is intense tell me he wouldn't be in that same situation when he grabs a knife and he goes back to bed and he's sitting there starts practicing <laughs> shinging it out bitch comes in here i'm a fucker no 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 you know he's like no nah, that's too fast right there <laughs> Sit for you, lady. I love it, man. Look at all this knowledge we're spewing out. There's Mark. a great amount of knowledge that is in your brain, Christian Remy. There is, but I don't know, Mark. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. It sounds like you know some stuff over there. I think you do. I think you know stuff. I think it's time to call our friends. What do you know here? This is a segment here where we're here to tell you something that you may or may not know about this movie here. So, if you know what we know, you're about to find out what we know. But if you don't know what we know, you're going to figure out what we know, and then you're going to have a we-know-gasm. But if you know what we know, you're going to know together. And then we're going to have a fucking... Some more. Yeah, some more. Like Smarties on Halloween, if that makes sense to you. But some anyways, more what? Some more. There's some more smalls. Yeah. So, this is fantastic. We got facts here for you. We um, do. We always, I, I enjoy this part. Of yeah, thing, I'm so. interested to know the things that you know. So, why don't you tell me something that you may 
or may not know about this movie, Misery. So, as our friends were alluding to before, the actress, Kathy Bates, okay? Kathy Bates, this lady, she was having a hard time with all of this, you know, making, uh, being a bad character, a person who was a killer, a person who had killed infants in her past. Right. So, she had a private little meeting with Rob Reinert, and she, you know, she expressed her uncomfort. She says, look here, like, I just feel like this person's a piece of shit. How can we justify this at all? What can we do here? Can we make a little backstory? So but- there was an unwritten backstory for Annie Wilkes, and they said... In order for her to feel comfortable to do this, she had to feel that Annie Wilkes was an abuse survivor herself and that she was abused by her father. And that way, she felt she could portray the role accurately, not just as some, like, Patrick Bateman fucking killer, as somebody who was a monster who was molded, you know, not just somebody that was born that way. So in order for Kathy Bates to be able to film the movie Misery, she had to have a backstory for Annie Wilkes so she didn't feel like a piece of shit. So there's a nice little fact for you. Wow. You know, that's a nice fact. That's a nice fact. That's an impressive fact. That is fantastic. Wow. What a fact here. I know something about this fucking movie here. What do you know about this movie, Ozark? You got some facts here? Yeah, I got some facts here. So the in, the infamous the infamous ankle scene. All right, you know what I mean. I think they talked about it earlier, where she comes in and like you know, she uh, she uh, you know she puts the piece of wood between the ankles, and then you know she hits the ankle and it goes bam. It just breaks broken. the fucking ankle, makes anybody cringe. You know what I'm saying? It's not good. That's not fun. No, that's not fun. We're all busted to bits. Yo, but I tell you this, you know how they did that there. Oh, they you know used, how they made it? Yeah, you know know how they made it? How they do that? They used prosthetic ankles. Okay, prosthetic ankles. All with right. With wires in there uh-huh. and gelatin. Gelatin. To make it the realistic look, because you know what I'm saying. You know, you put the fucking wires in there to make it turn a certain way. Because when something breaks, you ever break something? You ever see something break in real life? It goes the way to the way of the break. So, you know, when she hits it, you didn't want it to just flab everywhere, you know? So, you had to put the wires in there to make it break accordingly, and it looks... Now, you know, hey. It looks incredible. It looks, it looks pretty fucking good. Now, does it not look exactly correct? Probably not, but that's a hard thing to do. But it looks pretty fucking realistic for the things they had to do there. So, you know, bam. What do you know here? That's what I know. I'm having a hard time breathing. I can't even see anymore. Zorro and uh, how do girls wear these shirts? I don't know. How do, I mean, I would feel highly uncomfortable. Well, it is very highly up on you. You know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is. Yeah, so great. Um, I hope I'm looking at you, but uh, you know any more facts here? You know, I think that's it for this episode. I think uh, that's enough for misery. I think people got the backstory of Annie Wilkes, and now they know how that infamous ankle scene was done. That's a lot of facts. That is a lot of facts. I mean, you can only have so many facts here for a factual film. What can you do? Yeah, what are you going to do here? So next time, you sons of bitches, don't do that. (laughs) Ozark Mark. Now this is really... I mean, I know I think about some weird shit, but, like, you think Annie Wilkes looked at his dick? She would have to. She would have had to. She would have had to. She would have had to look at his dick. She is the number one fan. Do you think she touched it? Yes. Okay. All right. 
All right. Now, I know women aren't really excited about penises like we are versus like vagina and pussy or something, but I still like to touch it. You know, they still like the feeling of it on their insides. I think she likes it a lot because he hasn't given it to her, and they like things they can't have. Yeah, that's the truth. That you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I can't have this. What do you mean? It's the same thing. Like I'm sure nurses look at dudes' dicks, not because just be curious. Yeah, just curiosity. It's not like they're into it, but what you curious. working with, fella? I don't know. Let's see what this guy is working with. You know what I mean? It's just interesting. You creepers. You I know. Nasty ladies. You know what I mean? You fucking perverts. We're yeah. over here trying to pray and shit, and you guys are worried about dicks. Fucking whores. You know one of my favorite characters in the movie Misery is? Yeah. Sheriff Buster, man. Oh, how have we not talked about him yet? Sheriff Buster cracks me up. I, I love too. how his deputy is his wife. Because <laughs> 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 they're in such a small town, you know, her, his... Um, Paul's agent first calls because he hasn't shown up, and she calls her agent calls and the sheriff. I don't know. I'm the sheriff, the deputy, the fucking, <laughs> the first officer. I don't know what he all the things he said. He's like twenty things in this little town. But uh, their banter, him and his wife's banter, are hilarious. Like when he they first are. when he first goes down that uh, when they first go out because he suspects Paul's missing, so he's trying to find out where you know. He sees a tree, you know, so he goes down the hill. He's trying to find his car or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he goes down there and he falls. <laughs> She's up in the like, you need help? No, I'm just enjoying myself down here. <laughs> yeah, you remember when he, because he started, like, because Paul Sheldon's a writer, so he's like, well, if I can't find him, I'm going to read his books and see if I can get into his head, see, like, what the hell's going on with him. Mm-hmm. We came back to work with all those books, and then she looked at him. She said, well, sh- whoever she is, she sure likes to read. He says, Virginia, I really am flattered. You think I have any time in my day to no, deal with anyone that's, else? That's <laughs> not what he says. He goes, Virginia, I'm flattered that you think I have that much energy. <laughs> yeah, like, like, <laughs> no shit. No shit, ladies. Their banters. And it's sad that he eventually gets a shotgun to the back. And he has, like, the coolest coat on ever. Like, I want that coat. His mustache and beard combo is pretty fucking killer, too. The whole dude, yeah, he's a, this is a stellar guy. If you grew up to be this guy, no complaints in your life. Because his wife was cool, too, honestly. Mm-hmm. I liked his wife. Yeah, his she wife was, was funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, man, they were they were cool people. But his persistence um, helped Paul. And, I mean... He didn't save Paul, but I think he gave Paul the motivation. Like, all right, motherfuckers are looking for me. You got to get out of here, dude. You got to get out of here. And honestly, it does, you know, the the movie eventually does come down to a finale where Paul gains his strength and he fights Annie. And he, like, hits her with a typewriter and, like, beats <laughs> you know, what, the shit yeah. out of her. Well, it's a smart thing because, you know, like, eventually, like, he's writing a book and then he's, like, pressing the typewriter. That's a heavy ass thing, dude. So you know, what I mean, at least he's getting his upper body strength back. Cause you yeah. know, you think about it, you're fucking written in bed. You're gonna lose all your strength. People don't think about that. Like you got no chance to fight a a, a crazy you know, lady, a, a, a very brave sized woman like Kathy Bates. So you gotta get your strength up, dog. Okay. So you he do. does that. And uh, <laughs> I don't care. I know it's supposed to be a susp- suspenseful part in the movie, but just watching. A grown woman 
fight a man in a wheelchair is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because she comes with like the Chucky scream, like yeah, yeah, like you know, uh, yeah. like you know when Chucky gets mad and he tries to attack you, he just starts to yell at you. Mm-hmm. And she does the same shit, like. I, for some reason, when people yell when they like charge and attack, it's just funnier to me. You'll maybe see that in a real life fight or whatever. You're like, I don't know what's so funny about that to me when people just audibly <laughs> lose their shit as well. Yeah. You're like, she just starts yelling at him and she's, she looks so scary. Like, she really does. Yeah. And she's like, honestly, she really is such a great actress and she's like, a kind woman. Like, she's a super nice woman. And so for her to portray this, like, nutty, kooky, crazy girl, I mean, that just shows her fucking range, man. It really does. And even for James, man, for a guy like... All of his roles generally, like Sonny, he was the wiry brother who was always fucking fighting, and he was always up, and, you know, he's in his white beater, he's, like, flexing around. Just to lay in bed and to be able to convey that many emotions. Because he really does. Like, his face says it all a lot of the times. Where you're like, damn, bro. <laughs> like, you're screwed, buddy. And he just, you could just see it in his face. But he never quits. He never quits. And I do like that about him. I really do, man. You know, it's a, it's a good kind of uh Even just, like, the, for a great example of his acting is when <clears throat> he... So he took a. So the first time he got out, he discovered where all the pills were. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he took a handful of pills, those slights of pills, took it back to bed with him. And at first, I'm like, why the fuck is he taking all these pills? You know what I mean? Because you know most people don't get it at first. I didn't. So he starts. He takes a piece of paper, he makes it into a little uh, pouch, and then he starts emptying. All the pills into the pouch. Mm-hmm. Like all the little powder in it and yeah. shit. Yeah. So he's eventually, I'm thinking, like, oh, he's going to try and make her overdose. That's a great way to get out of this. Okay. That's smart. Very smart thing. It can be very well, you know, done if you're in that situation. So he takes her to dinner, you know, playing the, like you said before, like just give it to her once, you know, mm-hmm. like start getting on her good side. And he does. Yeah. He he's start- like, he told her, he said, let's have a dinner since this book's about done. And yeah. she got fucking the wetter she's ever been. Oh, yes. Yeah, she almost slipped on the way out. <laughs> but uh, so he gets to the dinner and, you know, he's like trying to find his opportunity to get the drugs into her wine. But then he's like, you got any candles? Like, that'd be romantic. And she gets all, you know, excited. So she slides out of her chair practically at this point and just find candles. Brings candle back. He successfully put the drugs into her drink. So at this point, as a horror fan, it's not the movie's not over yet. So you know that he's not going to be successful in this. Mm-hmm. But she accidentally, I was like, I wonder, it's like, is she going to know? Is she going to tell? Like, how does she know? Because she seems smarter than she portrays. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she knows all this shit. You're like, how's she going to do it? She just accidentally knocks it over. <laughs> and oh, like, Paul. And, and like the defeat, <laughs> he showed he shows defeat in, in his, his face. face but not shows defeat in his face. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still trying to keep a straight face, but he's just <sighs> staring <laughs> at her like, you fucked up. It's, it's such great because you can know he's feeling defeated inside without showing that he's defeated inside pretty much. Perfect. That's hard to do. That's hard to do, man. And this is, uh, you know, I, I have this weird category, and maybe people understand it, but, you know, Sunday movies, like a movie for Sunday, this is like a, this movie feels like a book. 
There's many movies that feel like books, and this is like number one at the list for book movies for me. It feels like a book. It's paced like a book, and it's a comfortable movie. Obviously, there's frightening and terrifying like moments, and but it's comforting. Like I can honestly, if it's Sunday and I ain't got shit to do and I'm flipping through TV and I catch this movie, I most definitely will watch it all the way through. Because just like the book, most Stephen King books you can use as like a door stopper. They're huge, man. They're fucking humongous. Misery, if you're a reader, you can read that two, three days. It's a, it's an easy read, and the movie is easily digestible. You're not like, it's not like, you know, all right, well, here's this uh, eater of souls. He's a clown. He can appear as everybody's fears. It's nothing like that. It's, it, this is just pretty straightforward premise. So your brain is already... Um, on board immediately and it sometimes when you have a story that gets really complicated you'll lose folks because they're like all right this is too much for me this isn't that at all man this feels like a book it's very comfortable this is like uh sweatpants some ugly socks and some comfy food watch this fucking movie i mean because really out of all the movies we discuss we talk about some pretty brutal ones i mean this isn't a family movie by any means but this is like in my opinion like uh not age group wise but i'm saying just uh maybe as far as spectrum of people it's e for everybody no matter what genre you like you could be into romance movies and like this there's some uh i tell you if you're one of these ladies that thinks you're unique and quirky because you like true crime stuff like every other one. Um, this will be your, I, you'll never believe this, but I like just true crime stuff. Oh, that's weird. No girl likes that. That's weird. I've never heard a girl say that before in my life. But this movie fits that so well. It really does, man, because you're trying to guess a little bit. Like, man, is he going to make it? Is he not? You assume he is, but what's he going to do? Is he going to kill her? Is he going to fuck her? Is she like, what's happening? Great stuff, and honestly, uh, my older two like my older two kids have seen this. They like this movie. It's a great movie, man. Great movie. What's your favorite part in the movie, Christian Ramey? Um, let's see. So if I had to go down with my favorite part of the movie, um, it, it, it I always say it's tough, and I know it is tough. It might be. I don't know. I think it's a great exchange when when Buster finally does show up and he gets shot because that's like one moment in the movie where you really do. Because like you said, it's kind of early on when he starts, like midway through the movie when he's getting the pills and he's doing that, when he's escaping. But by the time Buster shows up, you really think this guy's about to fucking save him. And then Kathy, Kathy Bates just blows him out with a shotgun with a buckshot through his chest. And Paul sees him because Paul's at the bottom of these stairs and he sees him just get shot. And then like at that moment, you're like, uh-oh. Hey, like, I don't know what old boy is going to do now because Buster seems like a John Wayne style character. And I think that did a lot for that movie because it takes somebody that, A, you like personally you like him he's a nice guy but b you like he's a man's man and you're like oh he's gonna save him and after that i think that's just such a frightening part and such a suspenseful scene because he goes into her house and he's like hello mrs wilkes i just want to see what's going on take a tour of the place and she's like offering him hot chocolate and they both know they are both pretending and it's like just such an intense scene and it just keeps building and you know something's about to happen and I didn't expect her to shoot his ass like the first time I saw it. I didn't expect that. I thought she might have tried to syringe him or like, you know, shot him, bro. Like, ba-pow, good night, lights out. 
So I'd say that would be my favorite. Ozark, Mark, is there a favorite part for you that you think is great in this movie? Yeah, we, we talked about it. I'd, I'd like the part where he first escapes the room. Uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of that's where it really gets your attention because in the movie you're just seeing all you're seeing is this one room the entire time. Yeah. So when he gets it out, it's like, oh my god, what, what, what kind of house this bitch got? Like you know, and it's just suspenseful. Going he finds around, out she's bad too. Find out he's little... bad. He he say he does the little uh, penguin save, which is a great catch by the way. Such a great catch that he got that. He got the pills in there and everything. So I, I really like that whole sequence of him locking it back. And all that, and him finding her, it's like, what do you think I've been doing? Just the whole whole thing is awesome. But there is one thing that I also made me fucking laugh hysterically, is when it's the during the final fight scene. This is after he burnt the book, and they're fighting, and he just shoves her face into the burnt pages. (laughs) Eat it, you bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Not only is this movie a metaphor about drugs. Misery, this movie is a metaphor for masturbating once your wife leaves the house, okay? Because you have a small amount of time, and that's what this whole movie is about. And you don't want to get caught because she's going to be upset, and you don't want to be appear sweaty, or you know, so like you got to have like the perfect amount of time where you can regenerate, regenerate enough fluids where she won't find out. <laughs> Shut you got to be in the up. right perfect so <laughs> That's the crux of this whole movie. <laughs> And the penguin is just you forgetting to like delete your history or something. Yeah, or, you, you know left I mean? the nut like, rag laying out. And she's gonna find it, bro. She's <laughs> gonna find it, and then you you're in some shit. And, you know, and then he's a man. He doesn't care. He's not like embarrassed, but you know, he's like, nah, dude. I didn't. Like, what, <laughs> what do you, you mean? mean? Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know why the sheets are sticking together right there. I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an intense scene, though, man. Because you're like, get fucking back in there, oh, no. bro. He's like trying to lock it, and you're yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> like she the... she drops the paper like twice or something, you know. What I mean, just ridiculous. It just added up to it, man. It really did. Yeah, what a great movie, Christian Ramey. This is. I'm I'm curious to see how it rakes on the horror movie scale, though. Yeah, baby. Sloppy horror rating, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating. Now, this is a very special kind of rating because we don't rate the movie as a movie. We rate it as a horror movie on three scales plus a bonus scale. And that is three categories. Three of the categories were three points. Last category is worth one point for a total of... Ten points altogether. Yep, ten points altogether on the scale. So if this is your first time here, hello to you. Welcome to it. You're about to figure out how this horror movie rates on the horror scale by... The horror nerd, your scary movie companion, Christian Ramey, everybody's favorite asshole. That's right. That's right. So, without further ado here, going to the first category here in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is casting. So, Ozark Mark, you mentioned Blair Witch Project once before in this episode, and I find that very strange because I was going to tie that in a little with casting. Um, Occasionally, well, some movies you have uh, a casting of 30, 40 people. It's a large movie. It's a large production. I think the numbers get stronger for the less amount of people. It doesn't even, like, look at uh, the Blair Witch Project with Heather Donahue um, and all those guys, Michael Williams and Joshua Leonard. Sorry, my brain had to do that. There's only three of them there. They're not well-known actors or anything like that, but the connection between them, I feel like we gave that a three in casting. And I do feel strong with the casting in this movie because, seriously, it's like two people the whole fucking movie. There are other people that are littered in here. But if these two don't work, 
the movie doesn't work. If one of them doesn't work, the whole movie doesn't work. So I really do feel confident in giving this a three. They both really did their homework uh, with the novel and really just trying their hardest to portray. And what a... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say a love story, but a Hannibal Lecter and a Clarice situation. There's just like a, I don't know, man. It's a, it's such a bond. I saw these two had a photo shoot together. Like, I don't know, within the last few years, it was like a little misery reunion photo thing that they did. And it like literally warmed my heart because they're old people with white hair and shit. And they still looked good together, man. Like they still just like, you're like, ah, good for them, man. Like it warmed my fucking heart. So I feel confident with three on this because these are top tier. This isn't horror actors. These are top tier regular Oscar winning actors. Yes, they are quite the gruesome twosome there. I like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So that's three out of ten so far after one category going to the second category here in the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is Kills. So Kills, this is something we do not have really pretty much any of aside from Sheriff Buster getting blasted with a shotgun. Now, granted, this scene was very intense and very fun, but I feel we can only fairly maybe give this a half a point. It's only a half a point because it's just one kill. Uh-huh, and it wasn't can... a gruesome, like, it was a no. shotgun, but it wasn't like a death by knife or... No, I mean, it's it's the basic as you can get, um, you know, it gets the point across, but that's about it. There's nothing fantastic about it. I mean, it's... You could probably maybe give it a one, just the effect on it, and this, but I don't think so. I think you go with half a point there. Yeah, I, I feel confident with a half a point. I really do, but that's, you know... To, to no other limitation. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie, just mean it doesn't have many kills. And if we're talking about horror films, what do you fear most in your life? Your own death. And if we are not fearing our own mortality, it really does contribute to the rating of our movie. So, exactly. So, point five there. So, that's 3.5 after two categories. Let's go on to the third and final category here on the Sloppy Horror Podcast rating, and that is fear. Mark, I... I really want your help with this one in the sense that because in my heart of hearts, I feel a three. I really do because it's an actuality. There's no ghosts. There's no Frankenstein. There's no pop scares. This is something that legit could happen to you. And your legs are busted. So everyone is put in the same predicament. We're not saying like, hey, man, you're a woman. Are you afraid in a parking garage? Or like, no, no, this is. We're talking about someone being locked down that's injured. And I think everyone can experience that. So for me personally, from the music, from the climactic scenes of like building up of him, like you say, on the run, looking for shit, trying to catch the penguin, seeing she's a killer, trying to get the knife, trying to get the medicine, trying to dump the medicine. Like each scene is like, you're just kind of, it's unsettling each time because you see he's trying to do something each time. So like, you get sucked into the movie because it is fearful, because it is fucking uncomfortable. And you're like, dude, what's old boy going to do? How's he going to get out of this situation? Now, is it terrifying um, in the sense of, like I said, monsters and gore? Not at all, man. But this is 100% an actual factual thing that could happen to a human being today. Today. If you wrecked your car and you were stuck in the snow... Someone could scoop you out and put you wherever the fuck they wanted to and do whatever they wanted to you. That's a little terrifying, man. And then, like, it's even more terrifying because it's not like, oh, I woke up in Leatherface's house, so I know I have to leave. 
it's fucked because he was comforted at first. And then it's like you get some Stockholm Syndrome thing going. There's like all kinds of layers to it, like, you know? And it's a lady. It's not like some dude where you're like, fuck you, bro, let's fight. Like, you're, it's not that at all. You're like, ah, what do I do? Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I agree with that. It is it's, the realisticness about it, the fact that it can actually happen to you always puts it up there. And if I, anything can actually happen to you, it's always going to be up there on fear because that's where fear comes from. That's something that can actually fucking happen to you. It's like kills are so low, but I feel like that definitely is made up for fear because even like the even Buster's scene was more climactic than it was like gory and death wise. Like, I mean, you're like, uh oh, uh oh, yeah, oh no, like that, that part seeing her behind him with the is scarier than actually seeing him die. It's like the oh my god we finally made it to this moment so in my heart of hearts i'm thinking three on fear i really am i mean i'm a grown man i don't get scared of a lot but like no i'll i'll compl- i'll agree with that i think that's a very logical way to look at it and i think that makes the most sense so that's three there so that is uh six and a half out of ten we're going on to the final one point category here and that's if do we fuck with this movie for half a point each christian Ramey, do you fuck with misery 1999 1990 sorry absolutely sir Absolutely. Absolutely. What about I'll, you, Ozark? Yeah, I'll fuck with it, too. It's a great movie. How can you not like this movie? It's just got a Honestly. lot of stuff there, man. It's it's a great story, and it's it's told well. It's shot well, acted well. Perfect. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And the book is really good, too. I mean, not to be that guy, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, have you read the book? I'm not that way with a lot of things except for scary movies, and I'm not going to lie to you. If you want to get into Stephen King books... Don't start with it unless you're a lengthy reader. I mean, like, it is a long fucking book. Misery, man. You're looking for a nice little book to get through, or maybe you're trying to, like, hey, I want to start to read more. Start there, dude. I'm telling you, because it, like, you're not dealing with many characters. You're not dealing with many, like, sometimes fictional books get really weird. Like, if you're reading, like, a Harry Potter, you're like, what the fuck is Quidditch? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, and I don't, my brain can't wrap around that too many proper nouns. This isn't the case at all. It's a very easy, simple book, and regardless of the interpretation, I like it. Ozark Mark, uh, uh, this was maybe two years ago, because I'd say five, six years ago, Misery was turned into a Broadway play adaptation, and... I didn't know it then, but we have something here in Cincinnati. It's like Playhouse in the Park. It's a similar thing where they do those. And I don't like to go a lot, but sometimes, you know, you take the kids to a Christmas story or something like that. I like that kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. But they had one for Misery in October. And I took, you know, fiance out there. We went there and we watched it. And it was one of the coolest things I had ever seen because it was only these two on stage. But they were like switching sets and things. Oh, it was incredible. We left there. And there's a bar here in Cincinnati. Well, it's up in Pleasant Ridge. It's called the Overlook Lodge. And it's like based like the bar from The the Shining. Uh, you know, And so it was like kind of like a Stephen King night. And it was kind of fun. So I, I definitely enjoyed that. And that was a lot, of, a lot of fun. So if you guys ever see the adaptation uh, for the Broadway of Misery, highly recommend that too. When you said good story, I, I agree with you, man. Via book, movie, Broadway play, this is a neat story. And I think everybody can get down with this, man. And it's a cold movie, deals with the snow. I don't know. Is anybody else like that when it's cold out? Like, literally, I mean, last week when it fucking snowed, Mark, uh, real bad. Or not real bad, but when it snowed that one day where, like, we were just inside, 
I watched Storm of the Century the whole day. That's what I enjoy to do, man. When the weather's cold or the shining, you throw something on like that. It's just you're in the right mind, man. And maybe that makes me weird, but I'm very seasonal with movies. It's like not just Christmas. Like I need to like I want to stick with the. We did uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead on Fourth of July weekend. That was our Fourth of July. That's what I watched. I think, I think that adds to the joy of the movie is watching it at the right time when it fits. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, man. I think so too. So I'm really happy that we were able to do Misery, get this fucker under our belt because what a large. Um, uh, conversation piece and and what's great about it hey did you hear about misery 2 and 3 and the adaptation and the sequel no bro it's just a standalone amazing story fucking horror movie that hasn't had its coattails rode into this new generation of the uh, repackaging nostalgia and shoving it down our throat if they re- if they try to remake misery i will burn down the set personally i will burn down the set personally no don't do that they're trying to do they're doing lost boys right now as we fucking speak dude I know, I know, I know. Frustrates me too. It bothers me and it pisses me off, but luckily I know that one will flop. Well, hopefully, you know, you can teach the kids to watch the good movies. So yeah, we need dude. to actually figure that out. You know what I mean? And for all you young film directors, uh, horror people, look at us, a movie like this, like Misery. Nothing too complicated, nothing too crazy, but granted, any people you talk to, most of them are giant, like they love this movie. It's easy to do films like this, folks. It's not it's not a hard recipe to make a horror movie. It's like a soup. You guys are trying to overcomplicate it. We're trying to give us a mock-up of the same soup we've eaten when we were younger. We want some new stuff, folks. Somebody give me a new misery. Not the actual misery, but something along those lines. I like this kind of horror. I like this. This is fun. Because I, I don't care what anybody says. This is a horror movie. And you can put it in there. It's Stephen King, ankle-breaking. There's crazy shit in this. It's scary. So, I feel very confident and comfortable about that. But folks, folks, next week is going to be the season finale of this season of the rehab season. Correct, Ozark? Yeah. You know, we've, we crushed through Poltergeist. We crushed through Misery. Now we've got one more. Maybe I have mentioned the title of the movie three minutes ago. So that is your little, uh, that's your little warm up there. So um, that's your hint. Yeah, that's Rewind your. Rewind it three minutes. <laughs> that's your. That's your little. Uh, but you know, like I said, I like to stick with the cold, and you know, I didn't mean to finish on a bang or a finale with Stephen King, but I, I don't mind it at all. Now Ozark, I do think I feel confident that we're going to jump into the season of sequels next uh, next season, but. Um, I don't think there's going to be a long break for you folks. We're going to bounce back pretty quick. And the the beautiful part about the season of sequels is we've covered a lot of the first films of a lot of these franchises, be it Elm Street, Halloween, whatever. But we did a lot of those early on. And we would like to have a more current episode or like a structured episode on some of these Freddy movies, Jason movies, Michael movies, and even outside of our main guys. I'm just saying... There's so many great sequels out there, so now we can finally get into it. And it doesn't just have to be number two. Like, this isn't just, like, the second one. It doesn't matter if it's the fourth one, fifth one, sixth one. We'll be here, and you guys should be excited for that. And that's what we're going to do, folks. We're here to, to educate the people on these horror movies that made an impact. And uh, we're not going to have many new ones until people start creating shit like this. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I'm happy that you guys joined us. And if you made us made it this far, please... Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching, wherever you're at, YouTube, Spotify, whatever. Like it, comment, do whatever. 
Honestly, the fact that you made it this far in the episode means the world to Ozark and I. We don't really give a shit about these platforms or how they engage, but they do. They like it when you comment and you like and you share, do whatever. So It's the way of the world, man. We're old school, going around handing out flyers and throwing CDs at you and stuff like that. But, (laughs) you know, we can't do that anymore because nobody does that. Now this is what you got to do. You got to make people press buttons in a certain fucking order in a certain way to get them to fucking spread your shit. Yeah. So, you know. But we got a lot of stuff to offer to the people here, so we got to spread the word, you know? It's we the gotta... most entertaining and educational horror podcast you have yeah, out dude. there. It's not like, you know, you go out to pee in the snow. You want to make scribbles and stuff. You got to spread around. Yeah. You don't and... want to just make a hole. That's stupid. Yeah, don't want to make a hole. You want to make some artwork, folks, and that's dude. what we're going to provide with you. And it's for free. For free every week. This is an hour of knowledge, and what you do with it, I don't care. Shove it in your ass. I don't care, but it's for you. It's like you. a library book that you never checked out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For free. Yeah. So, folks, I feel pretty confident. We've delivered a a, a good um, a good hour for you for some misery, man. I feel confident. I feel confident. It about was definitely that. not an hour of misery for your brain. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like what I did there, I just did a little. I, <laughs> that was I a good see. One. I see what that you was did. That was good. That was just straight off the top too. Mm-hmm. You can't think it's anywhere, man. You know. You're wild and wacky. You'll never believe this. We're so, I mean, you'll never believe no. this. But I watch a lot of like true crime stuff. I know. How am I supposed to sleep when it's about murder and stuff? I know. I'm I'm quirky. I'm. In... Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen Scream? It's really spooky. Shut. Up. <laughs> All right. All right. It's really God. It's like spooky. We used to guest time. God, I hate the internet. I do too. I I hate the internet, man. All right, boys and girls. Well, you guys have a great week. We hope we started it off the right way for you. Um, And until next week, you guys stay out of trouble and be sure you're checking out all the old content if you haven't already. Be sure to follow us on all platforms. Helps us out a bunch. It helps us out a bunch. For real. If you are listening to this on Spotify or anywhere that isn't YouTube, please go subscribe to our YouTube channel, bro. Subscribe. Give us stars. Comments. I don't care if you make a big dick. I don't care if you make a nice smiley face. I don't care if you just put dots. I don't care if you put your grandma's... candy apple recipe on there i don't care that's actually pretty dope that is pretty cool what if people just started posting re- recipes <laughs> only post recipes in our comments <laughs> this isn't a cooking show why is a recipe <laughs> youtube's thinking there's some kind of glitch <laughs> <laughs> that'd be hilarious uh please fill them comments up with just weird shit that'd be so hilarious it's a recipe that for shepherd's that's pie a, dude, that would be so fun man just go comment random things on random people's because it, uh, never mind but yeah do that but okay boys and girls uh we're gonna fucking go now so i thank love you. you guys we love you